Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> it's great to see you all at church this morning. Uh, we just want to say welcome. It's good to be together, isn't it? Australia's been winning in the Commonwealth Games, and uh, what a good way, what a good reason um, to, to celebrate. But we've got more reason to celebrate today because we're celebrating Jesus. And we're here because we want to know more about who he is and live our lives according to what he wants us to. It's great that you're here. If this is your first time, we want to say welcome. And we really hope that you would feel completely at ease and that you get to know some people. We have coffee and tea after the service as well. So it'd be good to say g'day to people and hang around afterwards. We're especially excited this morning because we're starting a, a brand new series. It's going to go for four weeks. And on the fourth week, we're going to end on um, Easter Sunday. And we're going to be asking this question, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that Jesus is? What do you think Jesus is? Who do you think that he is? And every week for the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at this topic. It's a great one that you could invite friends to over these next four weeks. It's going to be on Easter, a good Friday as well. But it's good for us to look together to think who is Jesus. I remember the very first time I uh, heard about Jesus or knew him. It was in that song, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. You remember that one? Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. Uh, they are weak, but he is strong. I remember um, singing over and over, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. I don't remember too much about Jesus at that time, but I knew that he must be someone who, who loved me. Um, I remember when I was about four years old, a, a year or so later than singing those songs, my mum gathered my brother and myself around the table and my sister as well, and she said, let's ask Jesus to be our, our friend. Let's ask him into our lives. And I was uh, just four years old, and I really didn't know what was going on, but I remember thinking, well, whoever Jesus is, he must be someone who can be my friend. Uh, they were some of the, the, the first images that I ever got. And I don't know, Doug, whether we're going to be able to uh, go to my PowerPoint just quickly. Are we able to do that? I remember as I grew up later on, um, I came to be given this uh, photo. And, and this was something uh, that stayed in my Bible. And I remember thinking, look at it, Jesus. He's just so lovely. He's got beautiful wavy hair, which is just all in place. And he's got a nice golden sort of shine. And he's, um, he's, he just looks like a, a real gentle kind of guy. I remember having that uh, picture inside my Bible as I grew up and, and saying, well, Jesus, I, wanna, uh, I reckon you're a really, really great guy. But now I wonder, I wonder if the Jesus who lived... 2,000 years ago, was someone with nice, soft, wavy hair and a sort of glow around his face. I wonder how much that image of Jesus is really what he's like. Today we're going to be asking the question, who do you think Jesus is? Who do you say that he is? And the answers to that question have huge implications on our lives. So let's together, church, ask that question. Who is Jesus?
Son of God. No idea at all. No idea. It's alright. <laughs> Are you the breath inside of me? Are you the light when I can't see? I'm on this road to find what's true. Is my destination you? If you're still. The question, who do you say that Jesus is, is not just a, a question that is unimportant. In fact, it's probably the most important question that you could ever ask. Uh, Jesus was walking along the road with his disciples one day and the, a conversation of what took place is recorded in Mark, uh, Mark's Gospel and chapter 8 and verse 27 onwards. Uh, it says there that Jesus and his disciples left Galilee and went up to the villages of Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi in Mark, 8, chapter, uh, Mark chapter 8 and verse 27. As they were walking along, he asked them, Who do people say I am? Well, they replied, Some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Others say you are one of the prophets. Then Jesus asked, Who do you say I am? Peter replied, You are the Messiah. But Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. This conversation on the road is very much the conversations that have been taking place right down the 2,000 years since this conversation took place on the road to Caesarea Philippi. People have been saying Jesus was a good man. He was a prophet. He was like Elijah or like John the Baptist. He was someone who was a great miracle worker. He was a, a priest. He was a king. Some have said he's Lord. One of the most staggering claims that people have said about Jesus Christ 
was that he was in fact God. If that's true, it's got enormous consequences for us today. Could, could this man, Jesus, who walked this earth 2,000 years ago, actually be God? Because if he is, then he's the God of wonders who made the heavens and earth, and we should worship him. Well, we've just sung together, God so loved the world that he gave. And that's a, a key verse from the Bible. Uh, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's John 3.16. And uh, one of the things that, that we could think about as we first come to this question of, you know, who, who is Jesus? Could he be God? Is we'd need to want to be sure that there was actually a person called Jesus that lived. And, you know, there is lots of evidence that there was a historical human being who came to this world whose name was Jesus. In fact, the, the New Testament uh, is a great historical evidence uh, for Christ coming to earth. But on top of that, there are a lot of historical sources that are independent of any uh, Christian agenda that talk about Jesus' birth, uh, Jesus' coming. Uh, one historian was um, a Jewish historian, Josephus, and he was born in AD 37. And he describes Jesus' followers this way. This is what he wrote. Now, there was about this time Jesus, a wise man, if it be lawful to call him a man, For he was a doer of wonderful works, a teacher of such men as received the truth with pleasure. He drew over to him both many of the Jews and many of the Gentiles. He was the Christ. When Pilate, at the suggestion of uh, principal men amongst us, had condemned him to the cross, those that loved him at first did not forsake him, for he appeared to them alive again the third day. As the divine prophets had foretold these and 10,000 other wonderful things concerning him. And the tribe of Christians, so named after him, are not extinct to this day. So here's a, a, a kind of other source of the days around the time when Jesus lived, recording this historically that a, a man named Jesus lived. Now, when you look at the New Testament, uh, the, the number of copies of scribes and scrolls of the New Testament put it completely in a place where this, what's in the New Testament is, is such strong, overwhelming evidence that, that the facts uh, occurred here were written by those that were closest to Jesus, that there's no um, current historian that would dare say that Jesus never lived. So we can uh, understand that. But to say, could he really be God? We have to ask ourselves some, some questions. And some of the things we can do is as we look at the New Testament and things that were written and the things that he said, we can find out things about his teaching and we can see whether this man called Jesus could have actually been God. But one of the fascinating things about Jesus, as he started talking, he talked uh, about himself. Let me just try and get this going again. I don't think that's happening though, is it? Anyway, one of the fascinating things is that he actually said, uh, come to me. You know, there were lots of religious 
leaders or religious figures down the ages who have said what we should do. You know, they've said things like, you know, uh, if you uh, do these things, then you can become one of my followers. You know, like Buddha or Muhammad have said things like that. But none of these people have actually said, I am the way. I am the one you can come to uh, to find. Great, isn't that good? Uh, I'm the one who you can put your trust in. Come and trust in me. Uh, But Jesus actually said, I am the way. He said, if you're looking for the way in life, if you're looking to find your way, then don't try anything else. Come to me because I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. He was pointing to himself as the way to encounter God. Uh, There's a hunger that's deep inside so many people today. We hunger for so many of our needs. You know, if you look at some of the psychologists right down through history through the 20th century especially, they all talk about us longing for things. Freud said people are hungry for love. Uh, Jung said people are hungry for security. Adler said people are hungry for significance. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. In, in effect, he was saying, if you want your hunger met, if you want your hunger satisfied, come to me. Don't look for it in love or significance, all these other things. Just come to know me and and you'll have that satisfied. Many people today are walking around in darkness and they're looking for direction. They're disillusioned. Many people have despair in their life, depression in their life, and they're looking for direction. And Jesus came and he said, come to me. Why? Because I'm the light of the world. I'm the one who... Uh, bring you light. I'm the one who will stop you from stumbling around in the darkness because you'll have light that leads to life when you put your trust in me. Do you know many people uh, sort of explain what it's like when they come to know Jesus and they said, it seems like I'm totally transformed. You know, like my old way has gone, my new way has has become. It's like someone's put the lights on in in my life and everything now has become clear. Many people are fearful of death. You know, I know I was afraid of death when I was younger. I remember coming out to mum and dad at night and saying, is there any way I can get younger instead of older? Like, has anyone created a pill or a a tablet that makes you a year younger? And I remember crying a lot, just worrying about death. But Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Jesus was saying, in me, I have the answers to life. So many people are burdened and have worries, anxieties, fear and guilt. And Jesus said, come to me, come to me. All of you who are weary and heavy laden, you carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Jesus didn't talk about a kind of... uh, fix-it program for your life. He said, I'm your answer. He walked up to people in Mark 1, 17 and said, hey, just come, follow me. Come follow me. Uh, he, he said that to receive him was to receive God in Matthew 10, 40. To welcome him was to welcome God, he said. 
And to see him was to actually have seen the living God, he said in John 14 and verse 9. You know, many people try and imagine what God might be like. Uh, Some people think, uh, you know, I wonder what he's like. Some people think of him as an old angry man. Some people think of him as a lovely Jesus, a, a lovely kind of soft figure. Well, Jesus said, if you want to know what God's like, Look at me. Look at me. Could Jesus actually be God? Well, it seems he invited us to look at him and to see God. There's a lot of things through the scriptures that actually point to him being God, although not directly stating that. You know, it's true that Jesus didn't go around all the time saying, I'm God, I'm God. But there were a lot of indirect things that happened in the pages of scripture that point to him being God. One of the things is that um, he claimed to be able to forgive sins. There was a a time when there was a paralysed man who was brought to Jesus in Mark 2 and verse 5 and Jesus looked at the paralysed man and he said, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now this just caused complete, uh, like, anger amongst the religious leaders of the time. And they, they said, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God? Because only God can forgive sins. You know, how could, how could someone forgive somebody else for sins that weren't even committed against them? Well, the only reason would be if this person was God and could forgive other, because all sin was against God. Only a God a person who was God could forgive sins. And while the arguments went on, Jesus said, well, just to show you that I can forgive sins, I'm going to heal this guy anyway. And he healed him straight then in front of the crowd who were absolutely astonished. Another extraordinary claim that Jesus made was that one day he would judge the world. What a Staggering claim. He says that in Matthew 25 and verses 31 and 32. He said he would return and sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations would be gathered before him and he would pass judgment on them. Some would receive inheritance, an inheritance that was prepared for them since the very creation of the world. And they would receive eternal life while others would suffer the punishment of being separated from him forever. Jesus said he would one day decide what happens at the end of time to you and I. Not only would he judge the world, but he would also be the actual criteria of judgment. You and I, he said, will be judged according to how we have responded to Jesus in this life right now. Matthew 25 and verses 40 and 45 say that. Can you imagine what would happen if I got up here one Sunday morning and said, church, I've got news for you. I'm going to be your judge. I'm going to judge the whole world at the end time. And I'm, you're going to, eternal destinies are going to be, uh, you know, based on how well you've known me. You would think I've gone crazy. You would put me into a, uh, into a home, I'd think, wouldn't you, uh, to kind of help me out. But Jesus actually said these things. 
he said that he would judge the world. Now, when we look at these indirect claims of Jesus, you've got to think, could he actually be God? Because if he isn't God, he's really crazy. Like someone just saying that they're, they're going to turn into a jelly bean or they're, going to, they're something that they're not. He was either crazy or he was actually God. Could he be God? But that, that's not all. He made some really direct claims in the scriptures. When he was questioned uh, about who he was, uh, he responded, look at this, uh, at his time of his trial. But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One? I am, said Jesus. And you will see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds. And we're told the high priest tore his clothes. Why do we need any more witnesses, he asked. You think you've heard the blasphemy? You think you've heard the blasphemy? You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think, he said. In this account, it appears that Jesus was condemned to death while he was on earth for for making an assertion about who he actually was himself. A claim uh, that was tantamount to a claim to be God. And that was blasphemy. That was blasphemy in the eyes of the Jewish world. And that was worthy of death. On one occasion when uh, Jews uh, were getting ready to stone Jesus, he asked, why are you guys stoning me? What's happening? And they replied, we're stoning you because you're blaspheming, because you, a mere man, claim to be God, they said. That's in John 10, 33. His enemies clearly thought that uh, this was exactly what he was declaring. And so they were willing to stone him for it. You know, Thomas, who was one of his disciples, when he knelt down before Jesus, he said, my Lord and my God, in John 20, 28. You know, Jesus didn't say, calm down, Thomas. That's a bit strong language for me. He didn't say, don't go making me God. Instead, he said, because you have seen me, you have believed Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You see, he rebuked Thomas for being slow to get the point. He fully intended everybody to know that he was God. You know, there's only a few uh, conclusions we can come to. Either he was crazy, either he was uh, purposely lying, or either this man called Jesus could really be God. What evidence is there, though, to support um, what he said? Okay, well, he made these claims. There's some indirect claims. There's some actual claims that are are, are straight out direct. But what evidence there is, is there in the rest of the Bible? Well, you know, if you look at Jesus' teaching, his teaching has been acknowledged to be the most profound teaching that has ever fallen from the lips of human beings. 
Over the 2,000 years, people have had the opportunity to look at it and, and to understand it. There are many people who are not Christians but say, I love the Sermon on the Mount. I love to read it and I love to seek to try and live it. Many people don't realise, though, that it's so hard to live the Sermon on the Mount. Um, there was a, an American professor of theology named Bernard Ram, and he said this about the teachings of Jesus. He said, they are read more, quoted more, loved more, believed more and translated more because they are the greatest words ever spoken. Their greatness lies uh, in the pure, lucid spirituality in dealing clearly definitively and authority with the greatest problems that throb in the human breast. No other man's words have the appeal of Jesus's words because no other man can answer these fundamental questions as Jesus answered them. They are the kind of words and the kind of answers you would expect God to give. His teaching is the foundation of uh, so many civilised uh, areas. The, the West is founded so much on uh, initially on, on the teachings of Jesus. We make so many advances in technology, don't we? So many advances in civilization, so many changes today that are happening so fast, but the words of Jesus remain. Uh, they've transcended the time in those 2,000 years. Could this really be just an ordinary man or was this man God? His works, uh, Jesus uh, performed miracles when he was on earth. Uh, he actually believed and said that um, the, the evident, they were the evidence that the Father is in me and I am in the Father, his miracles. John 10, 38. Jesus uh, must have been the most extraordinary person to have around, don't you think? Sometimes when uh, people talk about Christianity, they think it's boring. But can you imagine being with Jesus, you know, on a uh, stormy lake uh, while all the wind is raging and people are afraid that they're going to die and Jesus gets up and says, be still! And calmness just comes over the lake. Wow, Jesus, that's amazing. You know, there's, everyone's hungry. Uh, 5,000 men and there's more women and children and yet there's not enough to eat. And Jesus takes the food and passes it out and everybody eats. And there's basketfuls over, left over. Imagine spending the day with Jesus. Blind Bartimaeus receives his sight. A woman who'd been bleeding for so many years, just one touch of Jesus' hem. And she's healed. Jesus even performed miracles where uh, dead people that had died were brought back to life. What an incredible uh, testimony his miracles were. Yet it's not his miracles that made his work so impressive. It was his love for the, the loveless, for, for people who were like lepers and prostitutes. It was those which he seemed to uh, care so much for in his life. The supreme demonstration of his love was shown on the cross when he showed the very reason for him coming from heaven to earth. He was tortured. He was put to death. He was nailed on the cross. 
he endured incredible pain. And right in the midst of his dying on the cross, he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Are these uh, the kind of things that someone who was just losing his mind could say? Or is this the words of, and the actions of someone who's actually God? We could look at so many other uh, things, his character. You know, people have, uh, who haven't even called themselves Christians have been so impressed by his character. You know, the, uh, he, was, he was someone who demonstrated complete um, unselfishness and never self-pity. He was someone who uh, showed humility but not weakness. He was someone who never uh, showed joy but never at someone else's expense. He was someone who lived a godly, holy life. He was someone that people who were close to him were able to say that he was without sin. And people who hated him couldn't find any fault in him. So they had to fabricate things. Such was his character. Such was his life. The most, one of the most interesting facts about this man Jesus that, that points to him being so clearly God was the amount of prophecies that he fulfilled in his life. Do you know, in the uh, 500 or so years before Jesus came, there were over 300 prophecies that were spoken about him. And he fulfilled 300, those 300 in his lifetime including 29 major prophecies were fulfilled on one day in his life, the day that he died on the cross. Just think about how hard it would be. If you actually realised you were were Jesus and there were things said about you and you started running around trying to do things that would fulfil prophecies that were said about you, even then it would be incredibly hard to, to do it. But there are some prophecies that he just couldn't have done, but were out of his control. For instance, there were prophecies that were made about where he would be born. There were prophecies made about where he would be buried after he died. These things you can't orchestrate. They're things that happen to you. They're things that go to prove that this Jesus was God. His resurrection They put him in the tomb after he died on the cross and he rose again. The tomb was empty. No one has ever been able to produce the body. People made up stories to say what had happened, but the truth is that he rose from the dead. People saw him. His disciples, his friends saw him. He he appeared to over 500 people and 500 people can't have the same kind of imagination or hallucinations that people have said might have happened. The incredible effect that his resurrection had on his disciples show that his resurrection actually took place. You know, we've got uh, Peter running when he was crucified and yet just a, a little while later standing in front of people and preaching with such passion and, and with such uh, God's power that 3,000 people come to put their faith in Jesus. The effect of his death and resurrection were true and actually happened. We can see that in the change in the disciples' life. But you know what we can also see it in? The effect in people who put their trust in Jesus. Lives have been changed right from the time when he rose again. 
the time he ascended. And right through the years, the church of God has been continuing to grow. And Jesus is still at work and present in the lives of those who follow him. So let me ask you, who do you say Jesus is? The Son of God? Why don't we just spend the last few moments turning this place into a courtroom and let's bring in some of the people uh, who, have, who might have different questions about who Jesus is and we'll ask them. Some of Jesus Christ's eyewitnesses. And then we're going to make a verdict. Who was Jesus? Was he God? Because you can't face this evidence without making a commitment. So let's call some people. Peter, Peter, you watched Christ do all kinds of miracles for a few years. Who do you say Jesus is? Well, this is his response in Matthew 16, 16. You're the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. What about Martha? You remember Martha? She, she watched Jesus raise her own brother. Hey, Martha, you saw Lazarus raised. Who, he'd been dead for a couple of days. Who do you say that Jesus is, Martha? I believe you're the Messiah, the Son of God. That's John 11, 27. Thomas, you were one of the followers, but after Jesus died on the cross, you doubted that, you would, that he would be raised again. In fact, you said, I'm not going to believe. I don't believe he's come back to life. I don't believe in the resurrection until I can personally touch the nail prints in his hands and feel the scar in his side. That's what you said, Thomas. What do you say about it? Thomas says, my Lord and my God. You say, oh, well, come on, you've got all the friendly people, the people that were on Jesus' side. What about some of the enemies of Jesus? What do they say? Well, let's call upon some of them. Judas, Judas, you betrayed Jesus for a sack of coins. You planned his arrest. You watched him for three years and then turned him in. But it was, when it was all over, you regretted what you'd done. You tried to give the money back, then you committed suicide. What did you say before you committed suicide? Then Judas says, the Bible says, I have sinned for I have betrayed an innocent man. That's your problem, the priests reported. Then he threw the money on the floor and went and hung himself. Pilate, Pilate obviously you're not a Christian. Uh, you're a Roman pagan. You, you, didn't, you had nothing um, to do with Jesus and yet you tried him twice after trying him twice. What do you say about Jesus, Pilate? Luke 20 and verse 3. Then Pilate announced his verdict. I've examined him thoroughly and I find him innocent. Herod came to the same conclusion and sent him back to us. Nothing Jesus has said calls for his penalty. The thief on the cross. We deserve to die for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And finally, the soldier as a witness at the cross. Matthew 20 and verse 7. When the soldiers guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and everything else happened, they were terrified and said, he really was the son of God. Look around you, church. People who are here this morning. You've heard the evidence. You've seen the evidence of the risen Christ at work in this church and in the lives of people that you know and have met around here. 
And what's your verdict? As, as we read, I can find no other verdict that Jesus was God, that God has come to earth and that our response can be nothing short of unreserved worship, that we would surrender our lives to Jesus, put our trust in him as the only way in which we can come to know God, in which we can have eternal life, in which we can know our sins are forgiven and find strength to live every day. As we look at Jesus, may you and I together say, my Lord and my God, and give him every part of our lives, our jobs, our family, our careers, our thoughts, our actions, our habits, our whole lives. May you come like Thomas and say those words. May you live your life, your whole life, telling others about this God who is Jesus, who's come to earth. Why don't we pray this morning? Oh God, we thank you so much that you have left us with little doubt about who your son Jesus is. He is God. And therefore, all that you have said, Lord Jesus, is true. All that you've done is true. All that you've promised we can hold on to wholeheartedly and with confidence. Oh, this morning, God, we put our trust in you. Lord Jesus, we crown you as King and as Lord. We say, Jesus, you're the head of our lives. You're the head of this church. Oh, God, thank you. Thank you for all that you have done. We want to live our lives just shouting your fame, telling people all about how great you are and what you've done. Lord Jesus, we thank you. You are God. And we just want to tell everyone. In Jesus' name, amen. Right now it